Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, April 7th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, state officials continue to encourage residents to get shots at Mississippi as Mississippi attempts to climb from the bottom rungs of the national vaccination tables. Then a coalition of health leaders file an initiative to put Medicaid expansion on the ballot. Plus, after a Southern Remedy Health Minute, we recap the 2021 legislative session. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Over four months into vaccine availability, more than 1.3 million Mississippians have received at least one dose of the coronavirus vaccine, according to Governor Tate Reeves. But the Magnolia State still sits toward the bottom of the national tables when it comes to partially and fully vaccinated rates. And Reeves says he is concerned about vaccine hesitancy. Yesterday, flanked by a number of doctors, including state health officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs, Reeves addressed the concerns for hesitancy and says some residents are slowly realizing the safety and effectiveness of the vaccine. We now have 100 million Americans that have gotten at least one shot. And so to my knowledge, there hasn't been any uh, single um, side effect that has caused any major large number of of poor outcomes, and we're five months in. And and this is what we're seeing now, I think, more and more of, Dr. Dobbs. A lot of folks uh, passed initially and said, you know, I want to kind of see what happens with my friend and my neighbor. Um, and, and what happened was uh, some of them got the vaccine, and then they got the second vaccine, and now we're seeing more and more data which suggests uh, not only can you not – not only does the vaccine protect you from uh, – from a bad viral outcome, it also, in by and large, and of course the data is not complete yet, but um, you can't really transmit the virus either, most likely, um, if, and, and Dr. Fauci said that over the weekend, but as we get further and further along, what we want is more and more Mississippians to get more and more comfortable with where we find ourselves. When shots first became available, there were conscious campaigns to reach certain communities, especially the black community, about potential hesitancy. 
In the interview last week with NPR's All Things Considered, Dr. Dobbs suggested those campaigns were successful and similar efforts needed to be implemented with rural white communities. You know, I'm from the South. A great deal of my family and friends are more on the right side of the spectrum. And we have these deep conversations. It's not a monolithic thing. And I've been really pleased that we've been able to have success. That same sort of hesitancy seemed to play out early on for African-Americans, too. And Mm -hmm. through engaging faith leaders, community leaders, we've been able to do that. We need to do that the same thing with the rural white Mississippian. On Friday, Governor Reeves appeared on Good Morning America with T.J. Holmes and was also asked to address low vaccination rates. Reeves' intimated hesitancy within the African-American community was still a contributing factor. You mentioned the, uh, the vaccinations, and your, your state, uh, I guess, ranks pretty low in terms of the uh, percentage of the adult population fully inoculated, somewhere around 14 percent, and I believe that's, uh, I think, in the bottom five, at least in the country. Why is that in your state? Is it a matter of people there wanting the vaccine? Is it supply? Uh, we have a very large African-American population. We have a lot of rural people in our state, and both of those uh, categories of individuals are, are less likely to take the virus at this time. We've got to educate them. And we're working really hard to do so. Data and polling, though, reveal hesitancy within the African-American community is fading. The health department has reported parity in vaccinations over the last couple of weeks, meaning the percentage of vaccines distributed to black Mississippians matches the percentage of black Mississippian population. Recent polling by Millsaps College and Chisholm Strategies also shows 72 percent of black Mississippians say they will get the vaccines, with 14 percent saying they've already been vaccinated. Reeves responded to the disparity during yesterday's briefing. What I said over the weekend uh, to the national uh, press was that early on we saw significant vaccine hesitancies amongst both rural whites and African Americans. And so if you look at it, CJ, and you actually look at the, uh, the math, if you, ha- if, if you have reached parity with the population and that parity that you have reached with the population Uh, comes with it a certain number of rural whites that are vaccine hesitant, then by definition you still have some some vaccine hesitancy within the African-American community as well. So what I would tell you is uh, we have vaccine hesitancy by individuals in all groups across Mississippi, and, and that's just a fact. Still, both Reeves and Dr. Dobbs are encouraging more Mississippians to get their shots so the state can return to a more normal way of life. I really, really, really want us to continue to see increases in demand for the vaccine because I believe it to be safe. And I think it's very helpful uh, to uh, society as a whole uh, when people step up and make the decision to get the vaccine because no question, the, the higher percentage of the population that is vaccinated the lower the percentage and the lower the likelihood that COVID numbers are going to spike back up. Our numbers are down. Uh, you know, we're able to do more. It, it's fantastic to be able to be active outdoors. I have a lot more time on the weekends, and I'm much appreciative of that. Um, but it's also an opportunity. You know, we do have some – it's not that we're out of the woods. You know, we, we have the light at the end of the tunnel, but we also have a train behind us. And – we may want to go ahead and, and get as many folks vaccinated right now while our cases are low. And we also have variants around the corner, right, that may give us some challenges. But we're very pleased, especially with the Pfizer vaccine data that just came out, that it has a lot of retained potency even against the South African variant. So, um, you know, we're doing great, but we have challenges ahead and we have a great, a great solution 
with uh, vaccines available. Coming up, a coalition of health leaders file an initiative to put Medicaid expansion on the ballot. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. After years of political punting by state leaders and legislators, a coalition of medical professionals are leading the charge to expand Medicaid in Mississippi. First reported by Mississippi Today, a group including the president of the Hospital Association filed an application with the Secretary of State's office to make the question of expansion a ballot initiative. Health Care for Mississippi is the nonprofit behind the new initiative 76 effort. Dr. John Godet is part of the effort. He shares more with our Michael Guidry. I think that's just a natural extension of the discussion that has been going on for many years. Uh, Medicaid expansion is not new. As a matter of fact, 38 of the city states have already expanded Medicaid and have made it work in those states. And, and there have been concerns about how it would work in Mississippi. And I think enough time has passed since Medicaid expansion has come into being, that leaders in the healthcare arena and, and, uh, uh, and community leaders have come together and continue to have these discussions. And it's just, we've realized that now is the time. This is the best time, especially after the most recent uh, legislation uh, in Washington uh, about the American Rescue Act. Uh, has really made it such that now is a very good time to expand Medicaid to hardworking Mississippians. What is it about the details in the American Rescue Plan's uh, expansion of Medicaid make this the right time to act? Well, Medicaid expansion has always been, it, it was structured to be favorable to states in order to cover those individuals below who are below 138% of the federal poverty line. But more recently, uh, it has even become more favorable. In other words, the federal government will help the state pay for this program such that if the uh, expenditures for the state are going to be greatly reduced as a result of that act, meanwhile, Mississippians will be in health care coverage and be able to be more productive members of society, have jobs, work, and not only that, we'll be able to help our rural hospitals be able to uh, provide care and remain financially solvent so they can, uh, we can provide health care to Mississippians and small communities across our state. This initiative would be a constitutional amendment to expand Medicaid. Uh, it's, the process has just started. What are the next steps forward? How will you and others who uh, incorporated this nonprofit uh, be involved as this initiative gathers signatures and ends up on the ballot? So the next step, basically, to start talking about this to as many people as possible 
so we can get the word out to our, our fellow citizens about what's going on. Yes, we're going to be collecting signatures for the ballot initiative, and then there will be a campaign for citizens to vote. And I think once everyone gets a real grasp of understanding of what this is all about and why, I believe it's going to be a very popular initiative. There's a lot of groups who are interested in supporting this, who are coming to the table and talking about it. And, and uh, my desire is basically just to uh, uh, talk about it, convince as many people and help them understand why we're doing this and, and what the benefits will be. And lastly, Dr. Goodday, you mentioned the, you know, the, the groups of people that are, want to spread the message about how you think it can help Mississippians. My last question is, why do you think this hasn't been done yet, and why is it coming to this effort? So that is a, an excellent question, and, the, and, and I'm really not in a position to, to know the answer. I, I have heard the discussions in the legislature about what the concerns are, uh, or fears, or problems, uh, the appetite for Medicaid expansion. And I've heard those arguments. However, I believe that uh, that those concerns can be addressed, and those arguments can be shown to not hold water. And uh, it, it does take time, and it really takes uh, a lot of people, uh, whether they be legislators or or physicians uh, or just community members, it really has taken uh, a great marshaling of resources to bring this to the level of discussion where it is right now. But amending the Mississippi Constitution is not an easy task, nor should it be. Uh, and so, I, I, yes, it, it has been a Herculean effort, and I, I'm just proud to be a part of it, and I have found that there are many, many citizens from all walks of life, rural, urban, uh, you name it, who are supporting this, and I'm just proud to be a part of it. Dr. John right. Godet, a pediatrician in Hattiesburg and a member of the nonprofit Healthcare for Mississippi, advocating Medicaid expansion in the state. Thank you so much for your time and your perspective. Thank you for having me. Coming up after a Southern Remedy Health Minute, we recap the 2021 legislative session. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and this is a Southern Remedy Health Minute. I've got esophagus problems. stretches and shrinks a lot. I might have to go to Jackson and get this surgery where they go in through the mouth and they clip the muscles that cause a spasm. The fancy term for it is esophageal myomectomy. For everybody else who's not familiar with this, esophageal strictures, the esophagus, of course, is the tube that goes from the throat down into uh, the stomach, the upper part of the stomach. And it's a muscular tube that helps to propel food down as it contracts. And normally it contracts rhythmically from the top to the bottom. Uh, sometimes you can get strictures or scar tissue, or sometimes you can have uh, esophageal spasm. 
which is that muscle is not appropriately pulling food down. So it's spasming, just like you would get a muscle spasm uh, in your leg or a muscle anywhere else in your body. So uh, a couple of different ways that they can uh, treat that is the EGD is where they stick that lighted scope down into the esophagus and they can do some testing while they're there. They can also do some interventions. Botox has been used pretty effectively, uh, at least short term. Uh, So they make these little injections in the wall of the esophagus to help loosen those muscles up. The drawback from that is in a lot of patients, it doesn't last very long. So after doing that a couple of times, if it's not working, then they can move on to further procedures. What they do with this other procedure is they put the same type of scope down and look at that wall, and then they'll make some incisions into the muscular layer uh, to try to loosen that up. And those work a little bit better over the long term than the Botox. Of course, any kind of procedure like that, you want to be sure you're asking about the risk, uh, what kind of benefits, what to expect afterwards, so you can get all that information. For more health tips and medical information, listen to Southern Remedy each weekday morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. A contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi lawmakers closed out the 2021 legislative session one week ago today, allocating the state's $6 billion budget across a range of state agencies and programs. MPB senior reporter Desiree Frazier covers the state legislature and is here to give us a recap. Good morning, Desiree. Good morning, Karen. Education, always a topic of concern with advocates pushing for fully funding the Mississippi Adequate Education Program. Did lawmakers reach that goal this year? No, they didn't, Karen. But they did increase funding for MAEP to $2,118,755,000. They also passed a teacher pay raise of $1,000 for most teachers and aides and $1,100 for those with three years of experience or less. Republican Senator... Dennis DeBar of Leakesville says they're slowly closing the funding gap with one-time money using some of that, which included $25 million from lottery proceeds. He talked about his budgeting priorities for education. That was my goal when I came in last year to increase teachers' pay, increase the satisfaction for teachers and actually wanting to stay in and not retire and move to a different state or or whatever, and, and then close that gap on MAEP. The teacher pay raise actually passed last year, but was put on hold because of the coronavirus pandemic. The governor has already signed the bill to increase teacher pay. The raises, they take effect July 1st. Towards the end of the three-month session, legislators said they had enough money to give raises to state employees as well. Yes, they did. State workers, colleges and universities, along with community colleges, will receive 
1 to 5% raises. The legislature and the personnel board are reviewing salaries to be more competitive with surrounding states so people don't leave. The raises for colleges would take effect July 1st and for state employees January of next year. The governor hasn't signed that bill yet. Desiree, there was another piece of legislation that was controversial, and that's the Mississippi Tax Freedom Act, right? Why didn't it garner more support? That's right. Um, Karen, Republican House Speaker Philip Gunn authored a bill that would overhaul the state's income tax structure. He says states that have done so have seen economic growth and their populations grow. Well, the measure would have immediately eliminated income tax for those who met the earnings guidelines and phased out the tax over 11 years. The bill also included reducing the grocery tax from 7% to 3.5 and increasing the sales tax from 7% to 9.5%. The Senate didn't support the bill. Republican Lieutenant Governor Delbert Holzman, well, he said he agrees with reducing taxes, but he was concerned about unintended consequences if they move too quickly. He wanted to get expert input on eliminating the tax and how the state would make up the lost revenue. Last year, personal income tax generated $1.8 billion. Speaker Gunn shared his thoughts about the issue after the session ended. That is something we feel very strongly about here in the House of Representatives. For me, it is the number one issue. I've said it repeatedly and I'll say it again. I don't know of any policy item we as a legislature could ever do that will benefit the people more or result in greater economic prosperity in our state than the elimination of the income tax. A study was done that found low- and middle-income Mississippians would be worse off because of the sales tax increase. Both Gunn and Hoseman say they'll be examining the income tax issue ahead of next year's 2022 legislative session. Legislators passed a criminal justice bill to expand parole eligibility. Can you tell us about the measure? Sure, Karen. The Mississippi Earned Parole Eligibility Act reduces the time served to be eligible for parole. Nonviolent offenders and certain violent offenders like those who've committed armed robbery or armed carjacking would be eligible. To be considered doesn't mean you will be paroled, but it makes an inmate eligible. What is critical is the person's behavior while incarcerated and taking advantage of classes and training. Senator Juan Barnett of Heidelberg Uh, a Democrat, is chair of the Corrections Committee, and he has been very involved in moving criminal justice bills forward. Here's what he had to say about this issue. We need to find a way to start investing money into some of our reentry programs. I think that's what we need to be, but I realize that, that we can't do that keeping the number of inmates that we do because, you know, I mean, that's a cost to the state as well. But I do think that if we could start to reduce the numbers with nonviolent inmates, then we could take some of those same dollars and start to uh, use those monies uh, in reentry type programs. Mississippi has one of the highest incarceration rates in the nation, and there were violent riots and deaths at some facilities last year. Governor Tate Reeves vetoed a similar bill last year, and lawmakers hope he will support this one and sign it. Every three years, the legislature has to review regulations for operating the state's Medicaid program. How did that go? Well, lawmakers revised some guidelines so providers would receive an increase in payments, but a provision that would extend postpartum care from 2 to 12 months failed. Mississippi is number one in infant mortality and has one of the highest maternal mortality rates in the country. 
advocates for women's health, they have expressed their frustration with this change. And more than 750,000 Mississippians receive benefits through the health insurance program. Well, also because of the coronavirus pandemic, some thought lawmakers might take up expanding Medicaid, but that didn't happen. No, it didn't, Karen. Bills to expand Medicaid didn't make it out of committee. More than 300 Mississippi faith-based leaders signed a letter calling on the legislature to expand Medicaid during the session. They support an option initiated by the Mississippi Hospital Association. Hospitals would pay the state's portion, which is 10 percent. House Speaker Philip Gunn says the state can't afford it. Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman supports more access to health care. Governor Tate Reeves has stated he doesn't support expanding Medicaid. Nothing was said formally about expanding the health insurance program during the session. Well, now the president of the State Hospital Association has filed preliminary papers to start Ballot Initiative 76. This initiative would be placed on the ballot so Mississippians can decide if they want Medicaid expanded. Mississippi's insurance commissioner, who is also a Republican, says expanding Medicaid is not about putting people on the welfare rolls. He says Medicaid will help the working poor that earn 138 percent of the poverty level or less, which is 300 to 400,000 Mississippians. And he says the Kaiser Family Foundation predicts the state will lose $24 billion by not expanding Medicaid by the year 2024. So this issue isn't going away because the state will receive stimulus money to support expanding the health insurance program. As part of the American Rescue Plan, reportedly the state will get $300 million for two years, and that's $300 million each year. And those are some of the highlights of the 2021 legislative session. Thanks so much, Desiree. Oh, you're welcome. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.